0: Hey, this is Andre Butler, pastor of Faith Experience Church. You're listening to the Faith Experience Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope that this message helps you engage your faith and experience the future God has for you. Amen. We're going to start today uh, by looking at what the Bible teaches. Uh, We're going to start looking at heaven on earth heaven on earth and you know uh, we live in a day and age of course where there are so many belief systems in the world uh, you've got atheists you've got agnostics uh, you've got people who you know are, are Muslims or Buddhists or you've got Christians uh, and, and for anybody that's really trying to discover the true realities of life uh, it can be kind of hard to do so it's kind of hard to know who And what is right. And I believe this is one reason why the God of the Bible uh, causes something that we like to call miracles to happen. Because as he he would have Jesus say, Jesus would say this way, he'd say, believe me because I said it. But if you don't believe me because I said it, then believe me because of the miracle you just saw me do. So we want to take a few weeks and literally just talk about miracles want to talk about heaven on earth. And I believe that this series is going to help those who need to see a little bit more to believe God to see that. And those who want to have more of heaven on earth in their lives to experience that as well. And so let's jump right in and I want to give you five Bible truths that are going to help you during this time. Five things that the Bible says are true. Y'all ready for this? Amen. Let me mention to you, by the way, if you can follow along on my message, with my message, And even some of my message notes on your version. So if you've got an app, a a, a smartphone, you can pull up that app and you can actually see my notes, which is something that I'm not used to sharing, but I'm trying to get used to that. So y'all can follow along, even though you know I'm not going to actually stick with my notes anyway. But five Bible facts. Number one, there is a place called heaven. There is a place called heaven. The Bible says for example in Ephesians 3 and verse 14 and 15 for this reason I bow my knees to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Well he's talking about Christians and Paul's telling us that obviously those Christians that have died are in a place called heaven and obviously there are Christians here on earth It's like I have family right now that's in Georgia. I can't see them. I'm not in Georgia, but I know they're there. Well, the Bible tells us that there is a place called heaven where people that believe in Jesus live right now. Second fact, God wants heaven to invade earth. God wants heaven to invade earth. Notice what people often call the Lord's Prayer. And in Luke chapter 11, Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, our Father, notice this, in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Come where? To earth, right? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven coming on earth means that God's will would be done in earth, right? And what is God's will? How do we know how God wants people to live? Look at heaven. Everything that's going on in heaven is exactly like God wants it to happen. And God is saying, and Jesus is actually saying to them to pray so that what is going on in heaven can actually happen on earth, so that the kingdom of heaven can invade the earth. Number three, and let me say something else about that because you may not get the significance of that if you don't realize that God's not in charge here right now. And sometimes people get that mixed up. So when bad things happen in the world, people go, you know, well, if God is good, then why did this happen? And why did God let this happen to these kids over here? And why did God let this shooting happen? And, why did, well, and you got to understand what the Bible teaches. If you're going to talk about God, you got to look at the book. And the Bible teaches that God gave authority of this earth to man. That man's name was Adam. And Adam turned around and gave it to God's enemy, Satan. That's why the Bible calls Satan in multiple places the little case G, because there's only one big G, the little case G, God of this world. The Bible says death, because of sin, death reigns over the earth. And that's why you have sickness, disease, natural disasters, and all those type of things. And if God were not involved, it'd be a lot worse than it is. But what God will was and God has already accomplished is that he wanted to bring the kingdom of heaven into the earth so that instead of sickness, there'd be health. Instead of depression, there'd be joy. Instead of poverty, there'd be prosperity. Instead of hell on earth, there'd be heaven on earth. alright y'all looking at me like I don't know what I'm talking about, but, but stay with me. Number three, Jesus was sent to bring the kingdom of heaven to the earth. Jesus was sent, how many times did he say, I have been sent, right? To bring the kingdom of heaven to the earth. So in Mark chapter one, notice his message. The time promised by God has come at last. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, another way of saying that, is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Why? Because believing it is what's going to cause you to get in the kingdom. So you notice that Jesus came and announced that the kingdom is almost here. And that's because he was there. In fact, if you were to even look at what he said about John the Baptist's ministry, we talked about him a few weeks ago. John the Baptist was kind of like the preview that that would lead into Jesus coming. He literally was sent to prepare people's hearts for Jesus to come. And Jesus said about him that since John started preaching, the kingdom of heaven suffering violence, meaning what? It's it's coming on the earth and people are trying to get in. So Jesus actually had the mission of bringing the kingdom of heaven to the earth. And so really, if you look at his messages, what he really was doing was preaching heaven's solutions and, and so that people could get heaven's results. You ever go in the grocery store and people are trying to hand out samples of food? I don't know about you, I've never been one to just eat food that... Well, anyway, some of y'all, y'all, it may not bother you, but I'd be like, I don't know where that food been. I don't know where your hand been, but, but whatever. They're handing out samples. Why? So that people can eat it, and then they, maybe they want to buy it. Well, what Jesus did was he went around handing out samples. He preached heaven's words so that people could experience those, those, those results. He healed people and said, hey, this is the kingdom of God coming to you. He handed out samples, but ultimately he he was here to cause the kingdom of heaven to actually come to the earth. And then number four, Jesus opened the door or he made the way for the kingdom of heaven to come to earth. In other words, he actually accomplished his mission. How? He died and he rose again. And I won't get too deep into all the the, uh, specifics of that, but that's the bottom line. And when he died and rose again, now the door was open where now the kingdom of heaven could actually come into the earth. And one of the things that happened as a result of that is in Luke 24 and verse 49, where Jesus said, And now, so you couldn't do this before, but now that he's accomplished his mission, I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from where? From heaven. See, now heaven can come on into the earth because of what Jesus did. And then number five, and I'm just doing a little introduction here, so stay with me. And this one is specifically for Christians in here. You are not living to go to heaven someday. You are living to bring heaven to earth for others. I'm going to say that again. You are not living to go to heaven someday. You are living to bring heaven to earth for others. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes on you. And you will be my, notice that, witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I think Detroit fits in there right, right there, right? We're somewhere in the ends of the earth, right? So notice sometimes, you know, if Christians were just here to try to get to heaven, well, if you've chosen to follow Jesus, you already have a pass. You can get into heaven. So why are you still here? Because there are a lot of people on this planet who if they were to die, they would not make it into heaven. And so part of your job is to bring heaven to them, help them experience heaven on earth. And really what the Lord has had us Talk about just in the three weeks or so, the three messages that we've done, three series, I should say, since this church has started, is we've we've talked about how God wants you to have a faith experience with Him, to know God, so that you can discover your why, your purpose, and so that you can bring heaven on earth to others. So now let's let's look at a specific aspect of of this that God wants us to look at today, so we're going to go to Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two, and this is after Jesus has risen from the dead, and He's actually given some instructions to His men and His followers. He said, "Listen, I want you to go to this place. Uh, I want you to go and stay here until what I promise you comes to pass." And what He you promise them was what we just finished reading that you'll receive power when the Holy Ghost comes on you. It's going to come from heaven. And so in chapter, chapter 2 and verse 1, it reads, And when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And notice the Bible actually teaches there were about 120 of them at that time. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from Where? from heaven and fill the whole house where they were sitting. So they were all together in one place, you know, doing what Jesus said. They had, been, they had been praying, waiting for what Jesus said to do and suddenly you know, that's how God moves. Suddenly, one minute things are going one way then bam, something, else, something has changed. Everything has changed. And that's what happened here. Suddenly, there's a sound that literally comes from heaven. A heavenly sound. This is heaven on earth. It fills the room. This is heaven surround sound. Y'all think boasts or somebody else created surround sound. No, God created surround sound. It filled the room where they were sitting. That's a miracle right there. Wow, we got heaven in this room. And notice the next thing. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on them. Now things are really getting spooky. Because first of all, you hear this sound from heaven. and You can feel it in your body, man. And then all of a sudden you see in the spirit realm. And they literally see fire in the shape of tongues. And then it separates and comes to sit on them. Heaven sent fire to sit on them. Well, you think if that happens, something's gonna be there's gonna be a result, right? I mean, if there's a sound from heaven and I see fire and it comes to sit on me, something's about to happen to me. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. What happened? The Holy Spirit filled them. Now, few thoughts about this. First of all, when Jesus did rise from the dead, he was sitting in a room with a number of these guys, and he said to them, the Bible says, he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. You might say, who's the Holy Spirit? Well, the Bible teaches that God really is a three-part being. He's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You know, it's kind of like the Pistons or the Lions. They are one team, but they're made up of multiple players. there's team God, and there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when somebody chooses to believe in Jesus, the Bible teaches the Holy Spirit comes to live in you, in your spirit, because you are a spirit. You're a three-part being, too, by the way. Spirit, soul, which is your mind, will, and your emotions, and body. So when somebody says, hey, I choose to believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live in them. And that's what happened that day. Jesus breathed on them and said, receive you the Holy Spirit. And so he came to live in them. But then he told them, all right, but I need you to stay in Jerusalem because I've got something else for you. And he said, and we read this earlier, you'll, you'll receive power. In fact, one, one of the Gospels, Jesus said it this way, you'll be endued with power. You'll be clothed with power. Something's going to come on you. And, and so that's what we're reading here, is that this power that, that named the Holy Spirit came on them. Or another aspect, another way of the Bible uses or describes that is it filled them. So when God, through the Holy Spirit, came on them, the result was they began to speak. And other tongues. The word tongues here literally means uh, the word other means different, and the word tongues literally means languages. But here we're talking about a language that was not naturally acquired. They didn't go to school to learn this language. They didn't. They didn't get Rosetta Stone, if that's if that's the right name, right? The Rosetta Stone for three months. So they could no. They had an instant language that came directly from heaven, a heavenly language that they were able to speak in that moment. And and you know I, I, a couple years ago, I guess about three times now, I've had the chance to, to preach at a church in Paris. And uh, I took some French in high school, but then I was dumb enough to try to take Spanish in college. And I said I just took French in college, right? But so I went to France, and, you know, I'm thinking, I'm going to know what y'all are talking about because I took French in high school. And, and I'm sitting in the car, and they talking, and I don't know, I know bonjour, you know, I, 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 know, I know we, I don't know, no, I don't know nothing else. And they having full conversations, man, and, you know, and, and it sounds, you know, sounds pretty, but I have no idea what they're saying. And it would have been nice to have the Holy Ghost come on me and me to understand what they were saying, Right? When I preach, I had to preach with a translator, you know, so I'd say something, and I'd wait for them to say it in French. Like, it sounds good in French. It don't sound so good in English. But, you know, we understand. If I go to France, I probably need to learn French. They speak French. If I go to Spain, they speak Spanish. If I go to England, thank God, we, we speak English like they do. Right? Well, heaven has its own language. I think that I, I personally believe, I don't know that you can prove this, But Paul talks about the tongues of angels. And I personally believe that what we're talking about here, them speaking in other tongues, that they started off speaking this heavenly language was really the the tongues of angels, the language that's heard in heaven. That's what happened when heaven came to earth. So heaven sent the Holy Spirit He sat on everybody in the room. The result of that was that they began to speak in other tongues and these tongues were a heavenly tongue that came from heaven. Now if you were to keep reading this story you find out that as they began to speak they started speaking in other languages as well that they did not know. And people could hear them speaking in their language and it led to people choosing to believe in Jesus. But But that's not the only way that they were speaking in tongues. And that's not the only thing the Bible talks about when it talks about speaking in tongues. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says it in this way. Paul is talking about this later on. He wasn't even at this event, but he's talking about the same topic of of speaking in tongues. And he said in verse 2, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no man understands him. Notice that. So this is a, is a private prayer language between a person and God. If you hear me speak in tongues, you're not going to understand what I'm saying. Just like when I was in France, I couldn't understand what they were saying. This is something where God understands it, but that's it. In fact, it goes on to say in the spirit, that's another way of saying, you know, heaven, a heavenly language, he speaks mysteries. Then Paul said in verse 14, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. I like how the NIV translation says it this way, I don't understand what I'm saying. So when you pray in tongues, it's not only that people around you don't know what you're saying, you don't know what you're saying. It is an act of faith. You're believing what the Bible said is true, that when I'm speaking in other tongues, God hears me, I'm speaking out mysteries or divine secrets, I'm praying and God answers prayer. And then notice verse 18, because some people think, well, man, what you're talking about right here, this is, you know, this is not, this is strange, and some people gone so far as to say, well, speaking in to tongues is of the devil and all this kind of stuff. Paul said, Paul said, now, ain't nobody in this room as bad as Paul, <laughs> including myself, right? I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Well, if it were a bad thing, you wouldn't be thanking God for it. He'd be asking for deliverance. Jesus set me free. I can't help myself. I can't help myself. No, he said, I thank God I speak with tongues. But he didn't just say, I thank God I speak with tongues. He said, I thank God I speak with tongues more than all of y'all. In other words, none of y'all is bad as me. Right? But he's making a point about the proper use of that, and that's a whole other conversation. But notice here that, you know, speaking in tongues is a private prayer language between a person and God. And, And I have to say this, why would God give it if he didn't believe that his people needed it? I'll come back to that. Let's go to Acts chapter 10. Let's see, was this just true of the, uh, the people in the upper room or just true of the apostle Paul? Is this just something that some people get? Acts chapter 10 and verse 44, if you know this story, Peter is, has been, uh, he's had a faith experience. Man, God has shown up and pretty much let him know that salvation was not just for Jews, but that God wanted everybody to be able to go to heaven. That included people who weren't Jews, or the Bible called them Gentiles. So Peter goes into this room full of Gentiles, and he's going to be the first one to preach about Jesus to them. And the Bible says something very interesting happened. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell up on all who were listening to the message. So while he's preaching, the glory showed up. Another way of saying it. I mean, literally, the Holy Spirit just was like poured out on everybody in the room. Everybody. How do they know the Holy Spirit? Could they see the Holy Spirit? Could they see a cloud? Or, no. How did they know? The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. How did they know that that happened? For, there's the big word. This is how they knew. They heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. So, in other words, these guys are blown away. I mean, they came, came with Peter, probably were a little skeptical. You know, I don't know if this is you, Peter, you might be off, man. But then while Peter's preaching, all of a sudden, these folks start speaking in tongues. And they're like, whoa! I didn't even know these folks would get saved. I wasn't sure God even wanted them. And they're speaking in tongues just like we were. These guys literally heard about Jesus believed it instantly and instantly started speaking in other tongues. And then they say, well, we might as well water baptize them too. So they went ahead and water baptized them. But you see once again that, that this, this heaven came on earth, man. That this power came on even new believers, even Gentile believers. And the result was they were able to speak in other tongues. Look at uh, another example in Acts chapter 19. In Acts 19, Paul shows up in a city called Ephesus. He, walked, he walked, runs into some, some guys who, you know, they believe in God and they, they think that they, you know, they're right on track. And he sort of them, okay, well, you know, have you been, what, what, how are you baptized? And they say, well, we were baptized according to John's baptism. He says, you don't know about Jesus? They're like, no. So he, he preaches to them about Jesus. They believe. And we get to verse 6 and he says, as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So now they're saved, they're water baptized. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. Same thing happened. A little different methodology, but here it is again. Brand new guys, Gentiles, you know, they're just brand new believers, and as soon as he got them saved, he got them water baptized, and then they were baptized in the Holy Ghost. They got filled up with heaven on earth, and they began to speak in other tongues. You see, the evidence that the Jews had that God was in what was happening with Peter and and that you could see throughout the New Testament was that these individuals spoke in other tongues just like they did when they received the Holy Spirit upon them. And and, and that's what they had in Acts chapter 10. And and of course, Paul, he understood that this was something God wanted people to have as well. So when he would go minister to people, he'd tell them about Jesus and then he'd get them filled with the Holy Spirit. So they can speak in other tongues. So they could have a private prayer language as well. We'll go to Luke chapter 11. In in Luke chapter 11, we'll see something in verse 13. But let me mention this before we we read this. You know, the Bible, you know, I I remember going to Bible school and and I heard Kenneth Hagin teach something along these lines. Ten reasons to speak in other tongues. And, you know, uh, one of those reasons, of course, is that it causes you to be refreshed. One of those reasons is that it's a far more effective way to pray. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that we don't always know what to pray for. I mean, sometimes you get a call and it's just like, something happened to mama. Pray. And you're like, what, what happened? What happened? And bang, they hung up on you. What do you do? you pray in other tongues Because the Holy Ghost knows exactly what to pray for. He helps you to pray exactly according to God's will. Praying of the tongues helps you to build up your spirit, makes you stronger spiritually. We'll talk about that. Ultimately, and I said this a little earlier, if Jesus gives it, you must need it. If he gives it, you must need it. And the good news is that he does give it. That this is a, and, and in fact, Jesus said it this way in Mark chapter 16. He said, these signs will follow them that believe. In other words, this is a miracle that's going to point people to God. And one of those signs is that people, believers, will speak in other tongues. One of the things that's supernatural, one of those miracles that will get the attention of the world, people that don't know God, is when God's people start speaking in a language that is not of this world sometimes we think, well, you know, speaking in tongues, that makes me feel, you know, that makes me weird. Well, you know, any miracle is going to get somebody's attention. But God looks at it as, this is one of those things that proves who I am. Proves that I'm real. You know, Jesse Duplantis tells a story one time about, uh, he said he was, he was in the elevator and some guys walked in and they start, you know, just cussing up a storm, man. I mean, no, Christians shouldn't be cussing. Thank you for those three, four amens. <laughs> I've noticed that there's this thing now where it's like, you know, yeah, I want to give God praise, forgive me the victory during this game, and then bleep, 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 and you know, like, wait, 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 wait. If you just let, you just met Jesus, we we gotta work with you. But you're going somewhere. I don't know why I'm talking about this. You going somewhere. Somewhere where you don't cuss no more. Because that's a different kind of sign. You can't. You can't reach folk, help people when you act like those people. They got to see something different about you. Anyway, I forgot what I was talking about. Nah, so Jesse said he was in the elevator and these guys walked in. He just cussing up a storm. You know? And so he finally just said, alright, fine. They're going to be doing anything. I'm going to do my thing. He started speaking in tongues real loud. And they like, I just told you that just to wake you up. Anyway, So, you might hear this and go, okay, pastor, how how do I get this? How do I get this heaven on earth? How do I get filled with the Holy Ghost and have my own private prayer language with God? You know, even in your prayer time, and you should pray every day. Real Christians pray and read their Bible, right? You're not doing that. You're really a, a, a cultural Christian or a practical atheist. Ooh, that's tough. You know what I mean you, 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 you name the name of God but you live like you don't exist so if you're gonna be a Christian be a Christian and if you're not don't better have all the fun you can might as well man my message I didn't know I, I knew the first two seconds I was all I was off but When you pray, you you spend time with God. Uh, The majority of your prayer time should really be spent praying in the spirit. Because that's the the most effective way to pray. And the good news is you can receive that. Let me try again with Luke chapter 11 for the third time. Jesus said something. He was talking about the fact that, you know, if you ask of God, he'll give it to you. Ask, it be given. Seek, you'll find. Knock, it'll be open. He gives the example. You know, what father would give his son, would not give his son bread if he asked for bread? What father would, would give his son a scorpion when he asked for a fish? And he says all that to make a point. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly, there it is again, father, give the Holy Spirit to Those who ask him. So my dad tells a story. And my father is a a bishop pastor in, in Southfield right now. And he talks about how when he came up in the church, they were taught that to get the Holy Spirit upon you and to be able to speak in other tongues, you had to tarry for the Holy Ghost. So somebody took what we read earlier where Jesus said, stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Ghost comes on you. And they turned that into this whole religious practice. Well, I got to tarry because that was the word that the original word was tarry. So I got to tarry for the Holy Ghost. You know, that might take months. It might take years. And they they missed the part where it said in Jerusalem. Because if I got to do that, we all got to get on a plane. Right? But so, so he was taught you got to tarry. So he said he went through this whole process, you know, coming up before, at, you know, at the end of a service. And then, you know, they'd be rubbing you on the stomach and saying, you know, let go. And they'd be hitting you on the back and saying, hold on, you know. And, 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 and he they went through months of this, man. And he's praying and he's fasting. Give me the Holy Ghost, God. Give me the Holy Ghost, God. I want the Holy Ghost. Because he realizes something that you want. Paul said, I thank God I speak in tongues, right? It's a great thing. It takes your life to another level. It, God can do greater things to He realized it was something that you want. So he's tarrying for it. And he said one day he was sitting in his mama's basement. And he's reading his Bible. And he came across this scripture. And Jesus said, how much more will God give the Holy Ghost to those who ask him? And he got mad. See, them folk had me doing all that crazy stuff to get the Holy Ghost. And all I had to do was ask. And sure enough, he asked, and right then he got filled with the Holy Ghost. He began to speak another tongue. It's very simple. Receiving things from God is not hard. God really has one real, you know, strong qualification. You just got to believe when you ask. Like James 1 says, if you, if you lack, ask in faith. Nothing wavering. Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, when you pray, believe you receive it. Why? When? When you pray for it. So in other words, I'm not going to ask... I'm not going to go to God hoping and praying. I hope my prayers get past the ceiling. I hope God no, 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 no. I know you promised me. You said that like a good father, you will give me what I asked for. So I asked for it now and I believe I got it right now. And then I began to speak and the thing about speaking other tongues is that you actually speak with your own lips. The Holy Ghost doesn't grab your tongue and wag it up and down and make you speak. You speak He gives you the utterance. He gives you the language. So it's that simple. You can actually receive the Holy Spirit on you and speak in tongues today. And if you've never done that before, we want to give you the opportunity. We'll help you out with that. But now let me go a step farther before we do that. Acts chapter 4 and verse 31. Because there are a lot of people in here who have already received that. How many of y'all have already received that? Put your hand up. Look at those hands. Look around. See all those hands, people? They've already been filled with the Holy Ghost. They're already speaking other tongues. That's already a miracle. They're literally a walking miracle. Every time you speak in tongues, that's a miracle. And they do it on a regular basis. How I many do this every day when you go, 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 to, go before God in prayer? Look at all those hands. Okay? So it's a, it's a normal thing for Christians. In fact, there's, I don't know, how, is it a billion, I think it's a billion Christians across the world who speak in other tongues. The number is just astronomical. Okay? But Just because you've been filled with the Holy Ghost doesn't mean that's the only time you should be filled. Acts 4.31, it says, after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. If you were to read all of this, I won't for time's sake, you find out that the people in the room that this is talking about were the same people in the room in Acts chapter 2 when they were filled the first time. So, you know, Peter and John and Barton, and Matthew and all those guys, they had been filled in Acts chapter 2. But here they, they, they come together to pray because they've been threatened, told you can't preach in the name of Jesus, we're going to kill you. So what do you do when people say they're going to kill you? You go pray. Right? So they came together to pray, and the place starts shaking, and they get filled again. So you mean to tell me, that there's not just a filling of the Holy Spirit, but there's a refilling of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It, it's like your car. If you go get a brand new Tesla tomorrow, or Ford, or whatever, okay, and you fill it up with gas, and you drive around, and you like, ooh, look at my car. You stop, and you get on Facebook Live, and Take some pictures, put it on Instagram, and, and then you keep on driving. I mean, you know, after a while, you're going to run out of gas. And it don't matter how good your car looks. It's going to be sitting on the edge of I-75 while you're walking to try to get some gas. You, got, you can't just fill it once. You've got to refill it. And, and there's people you know, that, that have been filled with the Holy Ghost, where, and, and their lives look nothing like it. They don't live anymore like Jesus. They don't have any more results in their lives. That's because they started off driving the car, baby. Yeah, look at this. Look what I got. Look what God did in my life. But for some reason, they didn't realize you got to refill the tank. That you can't just live live your life without without refilling yourself. These guys were refilled on that day. And just like they can be refilled, you can be refilled. You need to be refilled. That's really one reason why we come to church is because when we get together and we start praising God, it's like, you know, all of a sudden the tank starts to get filled up a little bit more. That's one reason why you might come out of here feeling a little bit lighter, a little bit better than you did when you came in. Because you started getting filled up. You started getting some of that Holy Ghost juice, the happy juice. You know, and all of a sudden it just started to help you a little bit more. And really this is what God wants believers who are already spirit-filled to do. Look at Ephesians 5 and verse 18. Paul said it this way. He said, and be not drunk with wine. Oh, my. We could preach that all night. Sipping saints are slipping saints. (laughs) Who said that? I don't know who said that. Somebody saying, I don't know if I like this church after all. No, we we believe God loves you. And if you're struggling with some of these areas, that's fine. We're here to help you. But we're also going to give you God's standard. You know, Jesus preached grace and truth. So we're going to give you God's standard because if you get to God's standard, your life's going to be better. And you'll be able to do more. So God's standard is, hey man, don't be drunk of wine. It actually goes on to say we in his excess. One translation says because that will ruin your life. But then what does he say? But be filled with the Spirit. Well, The actual original writing, if you know anything about the Bible, the original New Testament was written in Greek. And what we have today in our hands or on our tablets is actually a translation. That's why some people say, I I found a contradiction in the Bible. You might have found a contradiction in a translation. But you didn't find a contradiction in the Bible. That's why we have the original Greek. The original Greek says, be Being filled. In other words, don't just get filled once, constantly get filled. Like your car is constantly getting filled. And how many know we ain't too thrilled about that with the gas prices? But God's saying, Be being filled. You ought to live your life constantly getting filled with the Spirit. You ought to be getting refillings all the time. And in fact, the Bible actually goes on to tell us in Acts chapter 6 that there was a group of people that, that when, when, when they needed to find some leaders in the church, they, they told the people, they said, I want you to find people who are full of the Holy Ghost. It was actually going to be an election. And they're saying, we want you to elect seven men who are full of the Holy Ghost. That's actually good advice for Tuesday. You want godly people that actually live according to what they say they believe, right? And so, how do you know that somebody's full of the Holy Ghost? I mean, to be described as full of the Holy Ghost, he's not talking about somebody that just got filled once. He's talking about somebody who lives filled. He's talking about somebody that when you think about them, you think that's somebody that's always full of God. Anybody know somebody like that? I know some people like that. You get around them, and, and it's like, you know, I know they pray. You know, something bad happened, everybody else going off, and they just calm. You're like, man, you, you pray. you got a prayer life. Teach me. He's saying, they're, they're saying these are people who stay full. And this is really what God wants is that anybody that's a believer to constantly stay full of the Holy Ghost. And how would you know that somebody stays full? Well, if you look at Ephesians 5, he tells you some of the, the reactions, some of the results of staying full of the Holy Ghost. And I want you to notice the 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 uh, punctuation here because it's a semicolon showing you that these are things that happen once you're full. Not these are things that happen that make you full. If it was, a you know, double colon, if you want to say that, then it would say, oh, this is how you get full. But no, he's telling you, this is what happens when you are full. What do you do? You speak to yourselves or one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. When you're full of the Holy Ghost, you get a a song in your heart. You walk around, you you find yourself singing something unto God, you know, and you didn't plan to, you may not be able to sing a bit. That's all right. The Bible said, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Right? But by line is you just got a song in your heart. You know, that means you can, there's some joy bubbling up on the inside of you. My kids would ask me that sometimes. Daddy, why are you always singing? And I'd be like, I sing because I'm happy. No. <laughs> I start singing that song. Anyway, but what it is, I, I don't just decide to walk around the house singing. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. And, and, and so it just bubbles up on the inside of me. It actually says singing and making melody in your heart. What's very interesting about the word melody there I mean, is that it refers to playing with an instrument. See, God's plan, even for our music team, is to actually be prayed up and full before they actually sing and play. And and so here he's telling us that when you're full of the Holy Ghost, there's joy there. Notice if there's joy there, guess what isn't there? Depression. Sadness. Notice what else happens. Giving thanks always for all things. When you're full of the Holy Ghost, you'll find you'll be far more grateful. For the good is in your life. All of a sudden, you, yeah, thank you, Lord, that I have a wife. Or I have, I got food on the table. Thank you, Lord, I got clothes on. See, there's always something wrong. There's a song that a friend of mine sang. I don't know, they might be here today because they're visiting their daughter at, at U of M this weekend. And, and she wrote this song years ago, and it just said, thank you for money in my pocket. Thank you for cash in the bank. Thank you, Lord. You've been so good to me. I don't know about you, but I think there are times where, where I, I have to remind myself, you know what? I got clothes on. You know what? I, I ate good today. Hey, my kids, they, they, they're doing well. You know, I, I, I'm able to walk. I'm able to talk. I'm able to think. Thank you, Lord. That, you got me out of some stuff that I was in. I messed up and you were merciful. I, I should have had this happen to me. But you came in and you, you, you made it like it didn't even happen. I got some things to thank you for. Some of you, you got family to thank God for. You got friends to thank God for. You may only have two friends, but thank God for your two friends. Come on. There are things to be thankful for, even though you might be looking at some bad things. And when you're full of the Holy Ghost, you'll find it's easier to do that. And if you're busy thanking God, guess what you're not doing? Complaining. You're not complaining. When you're full of the Holy Ghost, those next thing. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Two thoughts there. Number one, the word fear doesn't mean like, you know, terror. It means reverence. When you're full of the Holy Ghost, you have a proper reverence for God. Because he is God. You know, you are God's reality TV. You know, we think that Mark Burnett created reality TV was Survivor. No, God created reality TV. He's watching all of us. He sees everything we do. You see in the Bible the phrase, in the sight of God. And if you remember that, I've told you this before. Sometimes I go to the barber shop, and the barber there, he he actually went to ministry school. I've known him pretty much our whole lives. He's a Christian. But, you know, so, you know, sometimes some guys will walk in, and they would be cussing, and he would be like, hey, pastor, pastor in the chair. They'd be like, oh, dude, I'm sorry, my fault, dog, my fault. And we've always thought that was funny, like, you know what? I don't really care if you cuss in front of me. I don't. But you won't cuss because the pastor is here. But God is everywhere. And you lose that when you don't get full. But when you're full, you're reminded, man, yeah, God's everywhere. And I need to, to live my life right before him. And one of the ways you'll do that is you'll find that you'll even submit to your brothers and sisters in God, to other people. Now, that seems like a bad word, submit. I don't want to submit to nobody. That's your problem right there because pride goes before a fall. Everybody should be submitting to somebody. There should be a place where, you know, people can speak into your life and tell you some things you don't want to hear, right? If, if that makes, that's, how, where, that's where you're easier to work with. That's how things get done, when you have humility. When you take the position, I don't know everything. My way may not be the best way. Or my way may be the best way, but you know, it's it's not my job to impose that on them. Let's help them to figure it out on their own. See, part of what happens when you're full of the Holy Ghost, it makes you, it helps you to stop being mean. Now, if you mean all the time, people look, they don't don't like you because you're mean. It's because you need to get filled. Somebody say, get filled. It help you to, to, to be kind. Act like Jesus. The Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long suffering and self-control. And that all happens when you're full. So God is really saying to some of us today that you need to get filled every day. And how do I do that? Well, let's, let's end with this one scripture in Jude chapter 1 and verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. How do I build myself up or fill myself up? Praying in the Holy Spirit. What's that? Praying in tongues. We just finished talking about that. The Bible says it this way in 1 Corinthians 14. He that speaks in an unknown tongue builds himself up. In other words, if I start my day. Praying, you know, spending time with God, thanking God, praising God, worshiping God, praying in the Spirit. That while I'm praying, that's like filling up my gas tank. You know, it's like filling up my gas tank. So, you know, I, and the longer I stay in God's presence, the more I pray, the more full I get. And you'll get to a place where you'll pray and you'll just sense that joy is bubbling up. I have many a days where I've gone to God in prayer feeling awful. I mean, I've had those days where it was like, I'm fighting off all kinds of thoughts. Well, I want to fight somebody. Don't look at me like that. You know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I'm just Christian enough to go pray first. But I feel awful. And I stay there long enough that I, I come out of that place of prayer stronger, joyful. I'm like, I'm almost like, my mind is like, what you so happy about? You're still going, but I got full. When you pray in the Spirit, you're building yourself up. And that's one reason why, you know, I, I believe Christians should spend an hour a day in prayer. You may say, oh, that's a lot. Start at five minutes. Go to 10. Go to 15. Build yourself up. That's one reason why, you know, even praying in the Spirit while you're, you're cooking or while you're driving your car or while you're, you know, just doing anything. It helps you are charging your battery. It helps you to get to the place where you're full of the Holy Ghost. You know, Smith Wigglesworth said something, and he, if you don't know who that is, he is an individual who early in the twentieth, early in twentieth century, uh, he didn't even believe in Jesus until he was, I think he was in the seventies or eighties, and he, but he, he, he got dove right in, and by the time his life ended, he had over twenty documented cases where he raised the dead, and he said this: He said, "I I'd never go fifteen minutes. Uh, I go, I never go fifteen minutes without praying in other tongues." In other words, he, he would go throughout his day and he'd pray in tongues, you know, and he might take a little break and be doing something else, and he'd go right back to praying in Well, that's how you get those kind of results. You want to do miracles. You got to pray in the Spirit. You got to stay full of the Holy Ghost. And so I really want you to remember uh, uh, something that a woman who got said, said her name was Lynn Hammond. She said, this week, remember that the church is not to be your all-in-all spiritual experience. A church service where we come corporately together is a place God can use to confirm or add to what you are already experiencing in Him. How am I experiencing in Him? Because every day I'm getting filled. Every day I'm I'm making sure I'm full of the Holy Ghost. And every day God's joy is in my heart. God's peace is in my heart. God is leading me in my direction and and, in my life and God is using me to do great things. So I want to challenge you today, if you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost, get filled. And if you have been, stay filled. Come on, let's just borrow. Thank you for tuning in to another Faith Experience podcast. Remember, God has a future for you.